Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have tonight to study your word. We have prayed for this program. We thank you for answers. You will cause your word to come with power, with clarity, and it will penetrate every hearer. To you be all that glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we are still in prayer first, and we are trying to catch up the last two weeks. There's a lot to share, but by the grace of God, we'll get there. So, we are talking about uh, praying to get results, and uh, it's also part of our main theme of the prayer first, which urges us to continuously pray, to be steadfast in prayer. So our main topic is praying to get results. But the subtopic today is your mouth can ruin your prayers. Your mouth can ruin, destroy, hinder your prayers. <clears throat> James 1.26. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. Let me read it again. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. Introduction. Last week we were reminding us to put a premium on how we live the new life. And it's still important that we, we run through some very important facts about the new life. The, the, to invest quality prayer time towards it. It should make the top list of our prayer list in this 2023 prayer, uh, January prayer, preparing and praying. It should be priority, people, because this is the real thing. This is the real thing. Living life is the middle of our strength. We saw in scripture that God's primary will is for us to live this new life that Jesus died to give us. The investment is a very heavy investment that costs God the life of his son. And so God intends for us to live this life of Christ. Unfortunately, many people do not even pay attention to it. Many, we're so consumed with what we get from God. So consumed, it's become the culture that what we, our responsibility towards God is lost. We live as if we have no responsibility at all. And the primary responsibility we have is to live this life that God, Jesus, died to give us. It costs, it's very serious, costly investment that any Christian who does not focus on it, who lays it aside, is wasting something so costly. And number two, it will affect you in everything you do, your prayer, your marriage, your business. It will affect you in everything you do. It will. But we have not really given it attention. We seem to be satisfied. Oh, I'm born again. I'm not doing so badly. I don't see any scripture that says that too. God intends that we should live the Christian, this life of Christ and live it in full. Somebody said to me, say, Pastor, you know, I'm trying my best. I say, which scripture told you to try your best? There's nothing like that. There is no where God says try your best. As much as it's within your power, means that this power in you can do all things. You can do all things. 
you rely on the strength that Christ gives, not on you trying your best. So, we really have no other life. Let me run down some facts that we should know about the new life. So that if that will whet our appetite to start praying for ourselves. Because without investing prayer in this, we will not be able to maximize it. When you talk of like something like patience and long-suffering, you will not be able to develop the kind of long-suffering and patience that can resist the devil when he attacks you over a long period of time. You will not be able. You, you succumb. You give in. You find reasons, you know, talk, say one thing or the other. So we really have no other life but that which Christ gave us. Do you have any other life? We don't have any other life. So we do not have the luxury of option. We got to live it. Either we live this life or we live in death. That's we live without Christ. Either we live with Christ in union with him or we live without him, which is described as death. So we don't have any option, people. In 1 John 3, 14, we know, what do we know? That we are passed from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren. We live this life. It's, it's love. It's love. God is love. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. He's living a life apart from Christ. It's described as living in death. There's no option. I was sharing with some pastors from Nigeria. I said, listen, nobody goes to hell with his eyes open. I said, nobody commits adultery or fornication with his eyes open. I said, because if you know that that is death, if you, if you have a revelation that that thing is death, you, you, you run. You don't have to be preached. You don't need this sermon. I said, the book of Proverbs calls it the way of death, the way, the gate to hell. I said, if you have a revelation about it, you will run like Joseph. I said, the people, the reason we do things is ignorance, blindness. So the devil takes his pleasure, you're enjoying yourself, say, yeah, you're not. It's death. Hating people is death. Carrying, carrying resentment is death. Cheating people is death. Lying. If we have a revelation, we will run and have nothing to do with death. It's called death. There's no life in it. The Bible calls it dead works. First Timothy 5, 6. But she, or she who lives, listen to this. She who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. The same thing with he who lies. He who cheats. You come and take people, take cloth, you won't pay. You, you, are, you call yourself a Christian. You say you're a believer. But you take people's cloth, you go and take things, you won't pay. You are still owing last year and you add adding more. Greed. Is dead while she lives. Why will it not affect your prayer life? If you are dead, <laughs> come on. Why will it not affect everything you are doing? And so we resort, when it's not working, we resort to religion and ritual. Wake up 1 a.m., do this four times, do this. It's all product of complete ignorance. 
Because it's not working. If it's working, you don't need them. Christ is our only life. We live in Christ. We live in life. And we live outside of Christ and live in flesh. We live in death. We separate from life. That's what it is. First John 1 John 1.5. This one who is life itself. Christ is life itself. Was revealed to us. And we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. So if I'm living in Christ, I'm living in life. If I'm living outside of him, apart from him, if I'm lying, I'm lying, I'm living, that life is apart from him. It's not part of it. It's not part of it. And it will produce you nothing useful to me. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ who is our life. Brethren, can you see that? Christ is our life. Shall appear. So we don't have any option except to live the life of Christ. That's why you need to make it number one in your prayer, in your prayer list. And go and see the, 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 the scriptures, the prayers that the Holy Spirit listed for the church. That word is lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. Showing you the path of prayer. Teaching you how to pray. Teaching you how to pray. Somebody told, said, I think it was Charles Cap, that the Lord told him that a Christian with revelation does not always need long prayer. Not always. A Christian with revelation will hit the nail on the head and pray accurately and get results with faith. All you need to do is to go and check out Moses and his prayer. Tell me which one is linked. Number two, the new life is our main witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the main way witness, witness not just tract. <laughs> the life I live, the life you live, should reveal Christ. Should reveal Christ because He's the one living. People should see Jesus. Second Corinthians 3 3. As a result of our ministry, listen to these people. As a result of our ministry, you are living letters written by Christ, not with ink, but the Spirit of the living God, not carved onto stone tablets but on the tablets of tender hearts. Verse 4. Continue. Verse 4. Oh, that's right. That's the end of it. That's the end of it. That's right, because I chose only verse 3. Then First Peter 3, 1 to 4. And now, let me speak to the wives. We devoted, be devoted to your own husbands. And so that even if some of them, listen to this, even if some of them do not obey the word of God, did you see that in the New Testament, the word obedience is really fit? 
It's really fit. I don't have time to, I can give you scriptures upon scriptures. The word, the New Testament obedience is faith. Because faith is acting on the word of God. Not laws on the word of God. Not laws. Faith is acting. Faith is believing God. If God says, I've done this, you believe him. If you don't, you can't please God. So it goes beyond laws, thou shalt, to what God has said, I have done. It's beyond the obedience of the Ten Commandments. It's higher than it. Because in that process too, you do the instructions of the Holy Spirit as he leads you. So he said, now, <clears throat> let me speak to you, to the wives. Be devoted to your own husbands so that when, if some of them do not obey the word of God, your kind conduct, see how people are one. Major witness is Christ being revealed. Your kind conduct may win them over without you saying a thing. Are you serious? Sure. That's what God said. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to argue. You don't have to show you the know, Bible. You don't have to show anything. All they need to say is Jesus. And follow him. It's, it's, it's difficult for somebody to see the love of God and not fall for it. Very difficult. For when they observe your pure, godly life from God, they observe this life that is, that is godly life before God, it will impact them deeply. So when my life is not godly and I'm quarrelsome and in the house I'm gossiping, in the house I'm criticizing everybody, criticizing the church, criticizing everybody. And by doing all those kind of things, you are preparing your children to be hidden. Because when they grow, they remember what you said. They say, you're not going to church. And they say all these things we say. Is that what will convert somebody? Because I'm speaking the same language the world speaks. Speaking the same language the world speaks. How can you bring influence when you are not different? It doesn't work. The new life is a weapon of flight against darkness. I'm just saying all these things so that we st stimulate our interest to begin to invest prayer time into God helping us to live this life of Christ. Because we need prayer for it. The new life is a weapon of light against darkness. The life of Christ is the light that shines in darkness and defeats it. It shines in darkness and defeats it. You know everything they did to Jesus. He still loved them. Say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. At the end of it, one of them stood there and said, Of a truth, this is the Son of God. Of a truth, I've seen something I've never seen before. This man 
to the Son of God. In the, in the picture of which he was at the time, there was nothing physically glorious that showed him like that. Except that this man saw beyond the physical and saw the purity of love, humility, submission. He saw it and said, this is not of this world. The Bible describes Christians who live this life. It said the world does not merit such people. The world does not merit them. Romans 12, 21. Be not to overcome of evil, but to overcome evil with good. That's the life that overcomes darkness. Christ stood there with love. He overcame the wickedness of Satan. With love. They were abusing him on the cross. Save yourself. Save if you are the Christ. No. He still loved them. Then when they said, Remember me in your paradise. I said, today, you will be with me. Forgiveness is available for you. If it's me, I will say, hey, after, after all the things you people said, really, I will remember you. Come on, you, you are going to force me to remember you. Let me say, yeah, today. Today. You go to paradise. All your sins forgiven, everything. That's why I came to die for you. And it makes us know Christ more and more. When God is giving us revelation as Christians and we are investing it and producing, he gives us more. You don't get to know God more when you are not, when we are careless with his revelation. When you're not interested in implementing them. It's not to load you up with information. He will not, t- he will not show you more. He will not show you more. And you go about with all this religious talk and things that just have no meaning. Revelation is very precious. Very, very precious. And God gives it to those who want it. He said, I don't give my pills, my costly things to pigs. They'll trample upon it. That's why he was speaking in parables, speaking in, 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 in what do you call it? I forgot what to call it. Allegories. He said, he said, because these people, in hearing they will hear, they will hear anything. Because they're not, they're not after knowing the truth. They, they're not here to know the truth. They're here to show for their self-righteousness. So he said, it is hidden from them. They won't see anything. And he told them, he said, if you don't believe I'm here, you are dying in your sins, all of you. He spoke in metaphors. Spoke in allegories. Spoke in parables. The mystery of the kingdom. He said to the disciples, it is given to you to know. Come, let me explain to you. So when we know, when we invest, when we live this life of Christ, comes out of revelation, the more, and then our lives get better. And number two, number two, it, it establishes you and solidifies your stand that you will not backslide. Oh, you say, really? Of course. Haven't you seen many people who were pastoring big churches of 1,000, 5,000, 7,000, 10,000? All of a sudden, they backslide. 
If you have not seen, I've seen. When I when we were in our nature, there used to be this ministry, Riches of Christ. Very powerful men. Very. People were trooping there. They were preaching the gospel of grace. They were preaching about the grace of our Lord Jesus. That's, what they, that's from there, this grace, something mission grace. What does from riches of Christ. The one day, their leaders said they saw a vision of an angel who told them to observe the Sabbath. And you couldn't talk that man out of it. That's how he backslid. The next time I saw him was in Lagos. He was not living somewhere. I think I spoke with him. He lost his wife, lost his marriage, lost everything. He said, can people backslide? I've told you one. I've told you one. People who sit in churches who are backsliding, who are teaching error, demonic error, many. And they are so convinced that those things are true. Many. Second Peter 1.5. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promise, employ every effort. Every effort will include prayer. Every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. And it says, excellence, resolution, Christian energy, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge, intelligence, verses, and in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. In exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, that is patience, endurance. In exercising steadfastness, develop godliness. And in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. In exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. For all for as these qualities are yours. If these qualities are yours. It's not, about, it's not because you preach about them. No, no, no. I can preach about them, but are these qualities mine? Yes. Are they showing you in my life yet? If these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, what will happen? They will keep you from being idle or unfruitful until the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities, whoever lacks these qualities, whether he's senior pastor, junior pastor, whatever title he goes by, whoever lacks these qualities is blind, spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him, and has become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. Because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. See the benefit of living the life of Christ? He said, make sure, make every effort to solidify yourself in this life, in this life of Christ. If you don't have them, if you don't produce them, say because you are blind, you have no revelation at all. You are walking in spiritual blindness. You can be religious. You can be waking up by one a.m. and you know this four times, two, two, if you like, five times, five, that's your business. If you don't show, if Christ is not being revealed to people, 
when I talk, do I act? Christ is being seen. He says, it's because I have no revelation of him. And that I should make effort to, to have that revelation so that I can solidify my stand in Christ. Otherwise, I could fall. Now, you see other reasons why we should pray to live this new life, why we should invest in it. The tongue, <clears throat> and indeed, our flesh needs to be controlled. For example, but no man can tame the tongue. James 5, 3, 8. But the tongue can no man tame. <laughs> the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And the same thing with the flesh. No man can tame the flesh. The only way we tame the flesh is by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. By the power of Christ. Because without Christ, we can do nothing. Without Jesus, you can't tame your tongue. Without Jesus, you can't tame your flesh. Without Christ, we can do absolutely nothing. So Romans 8, 12 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictate, you will die. See what I said? If you let the flesh direct your life, you live in death. You live apart from Christ. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Somebody says, either you put those things to death or it will put you to death. <laughs> One of them. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So how do we generate this power? Again, it's prayer too. Yes, we can exercise faith, but we need prayer too. Both of them go hand in hand. The word and prayer makes you, make you balanced. They make you balanced. So in James 5, 16, confess to one another, therefore your faults, your sleeps, your first steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The honest, heartfelt, continued, see that? Honest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So if I'm praying towards the direction, it makes power available, dynamic in its working. The power of God in me, God works with this power in us. It makes this power, it activates this power. And through the activation of this power, I'm able to put my tongue to control. I'm able to put my flesh to control. I'm able to live this life. To domi I'm dominated by this life of Christ. It's like generating, generating uh, putting a generator on. Put, because God works according to the power that lives in us. But we need prayer. We need prayer to make this power activated to work. So another reason that we need to pray to us living this life of Christ is so that the word of God will get into us. Psalm 119 verse 130, the entrance of thy word gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. Now, you know, a lot of people think that because they read Bible, it has entered. No, sir. Forget it. The thing is, because I preach it, they have sent her. No. No. That to preach it does not guarantee it has entered. That even quote it does not guarantee. 
It could be in your mental room. It could be in your brain. You could, and you see a lot of people who don't even know God who could Bible. You can, you can, look, before I got saved, I used to quote scriptures and argue with people. Man, I used to argue. And I would preach in church. And they would say, wow. If one man came to me and said, man, you're going, you're, you're, going, you're going to be a prophet. He said, the way you preach, wow. But the word was not in me. He said, really? Sure. Listen, if it's in me, it will produce results. <laughs> That's the only proof. If you put seed in the ground, it will come out. If there's no seed in that, if you like, talk about the seed, sing about it, nothing is coming out of the ground. The world has to enter, brethren. And that's where the real issue is. Because in our heart, it's a lot of things. Peter said that you do well to give heed to this world until it breaks through, pierces through. There is an until, my brothers and sisters. I study by the grace of God. I meditate, but I keep praying, Lord, cause this word to break into my heart. I just don't want to be a hearer only, talk, preach. I want it to penetrate my heart and leave in me. Because it's only when, that's only time it will produce without your effort. Jesus said, if you put this seed in the ground, he said, you just wake up and see it growing. Because what will make it grow is inside of it. That word has everything. Everything. So the Bible says, in Psalm 119 verse 130, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. There's something I sent to some people about one woman that, you know, God saved and things. And I, I just wanted to hear if they saw something. And then, you know, what I was looking for is the testimony the woman gave. He said, I've had these things before. But when I understood it, that was when it worked. And that's what the scripture says. He said, he said this gospel changes life. He said, but it started working in you people when you understood it. And he said, when Epiphrat taught you this thing. That's when the word entered. That's why we need teaching. Preaching declares, teaching explains. That's why God put teachers in the church. Put preachers, put teachers to explain so that we have understand. And when you read the scripture, it says, I give you pastors who will teach you the word. And they say, those who labor in the word, who labor in the word, he said, those are the ones that are worthy of double honor. They labor in the word. Because that's the key thing, people. The main problem of the church, my people perish for ignorance. So the answer is knowledge. You cannot flourish spiritually in ignorance. It's not going to happen. Anything you are ignorant of, you will, not, you will not excel there. If you don't know how to fly an airplane, you can't fly it. You don't know how to do surgery, you can't do it. You don't know how to drive a car, you can't drive it. Anything you are ignorant of, if you don't know how to be a husband, a good husband, you won't be a good one. You can be a husband, but a tyrannic one. You won't be a, the kind of husband that God has in mind when he made husband that one. If you don't know how to be a good, a good wife, you'll be one. What you don't know how to do, you will not excel in it. Ignorance is a terrible thing. So, the entrance of thy word giveth light 
And he giveth understanding unto the simple. The simple is people who are not argumentative, who just believe God would like children. Then in Luke chapter 24, verse 46, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. It, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I tell people, I say, don't fight with people. Stop all this argument. What do you think your argument will do? Leave. Once God gives you a word, you say that. Just go away. Go away. All you need to do is to go on your knees and pray, Lord, and say, accept. Accept you open their eyes. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, I remember a pastor fashion at when I was preaching the gospel of grace in Lagos, and the men, they were so confused. <laughs> they were really thoroughly confused, all of them, pastors, members. They were like, wow, what is this? But you know, I knew it was true. And then in the night, the Lord told me, he said, all those pastors are confused. He said, when you go there, you sit them down and talk with them. I sent you here to replant this church, to, to, re, to redo the foundation on the new the revelation I should. Because I used you to plant it. That's why I brought you back here. I didn't know, surprisingly, <laughs> only Zage understood. And he said the same thing. He said to me, he said, Pastor, God brought you here to relay the foundation. I was looking at him. But you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't understand it. And so when, you know, when he came over here, we were on one conference. He was sitting next to my wife, and the Lord said to me, he said, pray that I open his eyes. He didn't know. And I said, Lord, open his eyes to understand the gospel of grace in Jesus' name. Quietly. Quietly. It wasn't two weeks after he went to me, he called me, he said, Pastor, it's like something left my eyes. He said, oh my God, what have we, where did we miss this thing? He said, I went back to what I had when I was saved. It is this message of grace. He said, I, I started reading my loose. I was, he said, Pastor, I've been shouting. He said, what? Yeah, the world has entered. Sincere heart, but it hadn't entered. And God said, pray that I open his eyes. Because if same God opens your eyes, you won't understand the grace of God. It sounds foolish. I'm telling you, it sounds foolish. But that's the power of God at work. Really, I used to oppose grace. I used to challenge them every nook and call. I say, without the law, how do we drive? You know? I said, traffic, if you remove the traffic laws, you cause confusion. I say, people are causing confusion. I used to say that. <laughs> God have mercy on me. I realized that orderliness comes when God takes over the thing. When God is guiding, instructing, and empowering. And that's what grace does. So we need to pray so that God, the word of God can enter us. I was sharing with my Obi the other day. I said, Obi, do you know we don't always hear our wives? <laughs> I remember, I don't know if you remember. I said, we don't always hear our wives. I said, your wife doesn't always hear you. He said, there are things you are talking about and you think they hear. And they, you think, she thinks you had. You know, you didn't. And you're arguing. I said, remember. After some weeks or months, you say, honey, you knew that thing, you were saying that thing. He said, nah, hey, that, I just understood. Now, nah, the thing is clear to me. You know you were right, though. I say, yeah. Why, were you, why wasn't they right the first time? Because the world has not entered. And when it entered, you saw it. Entrance of the light brings light. It warm. You saw it. The light came. You said, wow, she was right. Oh, my God. That thing is right. Oh, man. The thing you used to argue against, you are now for it. Because the world has entered.
entered and light has come, understanding has come. That's what happens with the word of God. That's why you don't have to fight with people. Because you don't even know all of, all of it yourself. So that's why we need to pray. And by praying that our eyes will open, scriptures break through every barrier in our hearts. I put together a prayer that I said it will help us you know, as starters, it's not even to be something to be cop- to be done like that, really ritualistically, no, but an idea where to start, to really pray for yourself from Scripture. No, I didn't write it from Scripture. I took Ephesians 1 to Ephesians 1, 17 to 19, and I took Colossians 1, 9 to 14, and I put it in a block of prayer, and I'm going to read it. I say, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me, in which case I removed you and I put me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, my eyes of understanding being enlightened that I may know what is the hope of, the, of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power 20 which he wrought in Christ where he released him from the dead set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places then I added Colossians 1 from verse 9 I ask that I may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified me to be partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light he has delivered me from the power of darkness and conveyed me into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom I have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. So I just compiled it like this. Ephesians 1, 17 to uh, I think 19, I mean 20. Ephesians 1, 17 to 20 and Ephesians 9 to uh, 14 into a body of prayer that you can put eye and pray for yourself and pray for your children. Pray for your family. Now let's go to what we're here for today. We have just started one minute for that. The use of our tongues. The tongue plays a very important role in our prayers and life generally. The tongue. Your tongue can ruin your life and ruin your prayers. And unfortunately, we are careless with tongue, unfortunately. But James 1.26 makes it clear that if you claim to be religious and don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. That includes prayer, everything. You know, we eat the fruit of our words. We experience the consequences of it all. So you can't pray yourself. You can't be praying one thing and be saying another thing. If that thing you're saying, that thing you're saying is what you will experience. So in Proverbs chapter 18, 21, the tongue can bring death 
our life. Those who love to talk, we, we reap the consequences of it. Mark eleven twenty two. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you this truth. This is our Lord Jesus. You can say to this mountain, be thou lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. The same vein that even when you come to pray, you should believe that those things you are saying will come to happen. That's what Jesus is saying. So he said, I tell you, you can pray for anything at all. If you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. So the things we say, the things we keep mounting out there, they produce for us. They do produce for us. They do. I remember somebody sharing about the Kenny Copeland. He said that uh, he was driving his, an old car. He kept telling, telling the wife, he said, say this old thing, say this old thing will knock in Jim before this. You know, just talking this, this old thing, this old thing will knock. And before long, the thing simply knocked in Jim. And the Lord said, you, you have gotten it. You've been saying it now. Come. My mother used to say, over my dead body will be a pastor. Over my dead body, say, my name, you kill me over my dead body. And she died, and I became a pastor. And I used to tell her, I said, Mama, this thing you're saying will happen. He said, you, small boy, you're teaching me Bibles, this small boy. I said, Mama, I'm not teaching Bible. It will happen, because you keep saying this thing. Over my dead body, because me and your father were pastors, we suffered. Well, my son will never be a pastor. Over my dead body, Emmanuel I wasn't even talking about being a pastor. I didn't even know where that one came at that point. But I got saved. And she died. I became a pastor. <laughs> because that's what she was saying. People, when the Bible says something, believe it too. Believe it too. Because it's true. Secondly, yeah, the right use of tongues in prayer will help you tremendously when you pray. When you learn to control your tongue and say the things for which the tongue was given. My tongue was given, your tongue was given. That will show forth the praises of it that called us. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You speak words of edification. You speak words of mercy, words of faith, as oracle of God. When you, when you train your mouth like that, when you pray, you pray the same thing. And after you pray, you keep saying what God said. That's how you develop your faith. If you want to really develop it, faith, say what God says over and over and all the time. Keep saying it. We develop faith in that area. Very strong faith. Extremely very strong faith. So we need to really understand that there is the right use of our tongue to help us in prayer and to help us in life generally. So you keep saying what God said, regardless of your experience. Stop telling people what you are experiencing. You know, when we we do that, we think we're just telling them what is happening. But you are really... You are really worsening the situation because by confessing those things, you are acknowledging those things and they keep happening. You know, when you come to a wedding 
and they say, let us acknowledge uh, Brother Paul. What does Brother Paul do? He will stand up to be acknowledged now. So when you start acknowledging sickness, they will stand up to, to be acknowledged. <laughs> yeah, we're here. <laughs> we're here. And every day you're telling people what is happening to you. Why don't you just shut your mouth? If you don't have anything to say, you should just keep quiet. Testify to the work of the enemy. The Bible says we shall live and not die, so we testify to the works of God, not the works of the enemy. And when we give such testimony about the enemy, we're empowering him. We are really empowering him. I remember, it was it Andrew Womack, I had him give one testimony how he was beaten by demons in the church. Physically beat him up, he ran out. And God said, You better go back there and deal with them because they'll follow you home. So he went back and then he dealt with them and the Lord said, you know why they beat you? He said, no, he said, because all you're talking is about demons. You are just empowering them. You're just glorifying them. You are just testifying about them. In fact, actually, you are worshiping them by those things. You are saying. He said, all you talk about is demons, demons, demons. So they beat you up. I don't know if I'm the only one who had that testimony from him. And from that day, he stopped. You can't be talking negative things only in the name of telling people what is wrong with you. Okay, you've said enough, now stop. Everybody that comes to you, talk, 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 this, everybody. And you kill the faith of people around you. You become a fire extinguisher. Ephesians 4.29 let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of a defying. When people hear you, they should be a defied. That, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit as, as children that have inheritance in Christ. Say, so don't, don't be saying negative things. Contrary to what God has said, you are grieving the Spirit of God. And then when you, see, when you say that, you don't defy people. Anybody that has a little faith that comes to you, kill the whole thing. It won't help your prayer. And you are going to see that it will affect your prayer. It will. Because those things you are saying is what you keep seeing happening in your life. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. That's what we should hold fast. If God said it, keep saying it. Well, Pastor, I'm not saying it. Don't worry about saying it. You're not walking by sight. Keep saying it. If God said it, keep saying it. If God said it, keep. When it hits me in my house, I pull my Bible out as I'm reading it to all of you. Nobody knows what I'm doing. I'm alone in my small corner. I pull my Bible. I say, I say, believe this word. I'm reading it to all of you. Even if I don't have strength, I'm reading it to all of you. I will read it to them, read it again, read it again. Declare that on this I stand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. I say, Father, your word is infallible. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. It's impossible for God to lie. I said, all the works of the enemy are lies. All his works are lies. All his works are lies. And they're doomed. I said, the counsel of my God stands. I declare it. 
keep declaring it. If you if you ever come near me and caught me telling negative stories, come and tell me after this. Let's go far to profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised it. He is. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. People should hear you and catch fire. I said, whoa, amazing. This is good, man. This is awesome. Unbelief is evil. Words of unbelief are words of evil. Hebrews 12. Take heed, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. We think adultery is evil. Oh, really? You don't have no idea that it's unbelief that leads to adultery. I'm just saying it. I say, how can you be in adultery if you know that it is dead? Some belief that leads to all those things. If you believe the word of God, you should act on it. Take it, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Unbelief suppresses you from fellowship with God because you don't agree with him. And two can work together except they agree. It's a dangerous thing, spiritually dangerous, unbelief. Now, speaking words of unbelief is evil. It's evil. So, let's see what happened to Israel, our example. How their mouth denied them the very blessing that God swore. You know, when God swore, I mean, that could be the, the highest. When God swears to you and says, see, this is yours. This is it. I'm God. I'm swearing to you. And then finally, you don't experience it. And God comes back and says, this is what you are going to experience now. Is it not something that cost it? Now, let's see. Practically. Numbers 14, 28. Say unto them, as truly as I live, said the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, oh, so I will do to you. As you've spoken in my ears, so I will do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upwards, which have murmured against me, complained. You say, Pastor, I don't murmur, but you complain. Doubtless, you shall not come into the land. <laughs> God said, doubtless, you are not coming to the land. No, and I, and I, I want us to see at the end of it, it's not really God trying to do anything to them. God is telling them the consequences of what they did. It's just like when we were talking about that. And they, they, God says, you know, you are caused with the cause. No, God did not say, I caused them. He said, if you are stealing from me, the devourer will steal from you. You are stealing my money. Even if you are stealing people's money, you are empowering the virus. What you say, you reap. And God said, but if you don't steal from me and bring my tithe to me, then you empower me to hinder the devourer. But I can't hinder the devourer when you are playing into his hands and stealing from me. I can't. 
Because you played into his hands, it's a legal thing. It's a legal thing. You stole from me, the devourer comes. What you sow, you reap. But if you don't sow it, the devourer comes and says, no, you can't do this. Then we cannot pray the covenant. That's exactly what's happening here again. It's God says, I want, to, I want to understand this. So Numbers 14, 30. Doubtless. God said, without doubt. Doubtless, you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein. Says, save Caleb and the son of Joshua. Uh, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, 31. But you are little ones which you say should be a prey. They will bring in, you say, you said even these little ones are going to be a prey that I brought you here to destroy you and your children. He said, those ones who say that they will be a prey, they will, uh, they will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. Because they despise the blessing of God, says, it's not working. This is not, forget it. Which is verse 32. But as for, as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. Verse 35. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do, do it unto or unto all this evil generation. You say, yeah, God is doing it to them. Don't worry, when we finish with you, you see that God is telling them the consequence of what they said. Because he said, as you have spoken, I am bound to act. It's your word, not me. Your word brought this about. So in verse, in verse um, 35, as the Lord said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there, there they shall die. And the men with Moses, the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against me, by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. Now, what did they say? Numbers 13, 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against this, the, the, the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to, such it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all that all the people we saw in it are men of great stature, 33. And there, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in their own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that, that we had died in this wilderness? God said, yeah, say you die in this wilderness. You are dying here. Would God that we have died in this wilderness, and wherefore had the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey. That's what God said. Those people he said should be prayed are the ones going in. Should be a prey. We are it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said to one another, let us make a captain. <laughs> a captain. 
We don't want this in your past. <laughs> we, don't, we don't like it. And let us return unto Egypt. Is it happening to do? And then Moses began to intervene. Moses began to pray and to educate God. And let's read it now. Moses 14, 30, I mean number 14, 30. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians, God, remember, then the Egyptians shall hear it too. For thou broughtest up these people in thy might from among them, 14. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this, this land, that for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among the, these people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by day time in a pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire by night, 15, 15. Now, if thou shalt kill all these people as one man, then the nations which have had the fame of thee will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land, which he swore unto them. Therefore, he has slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great too, according to as, according as thou hast spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering. Neither teaching God. <laughs> Remember your long-suffering. And of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee. The iniquity of these people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy, and that thou hast forgiven these people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I pardoned. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem with them. I pardon, according to your word. But that's where the trouble maps. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. What did he say again? Verse 22. Because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt. And in the wilderness, I have tempted me all these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely, Moses, Moses, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, the spirit of faith, and have followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now, what's the difference? It's because this, what they said. It's just simply because of what they said. God said, what you say is what they are going to have. That law is a law. You eat the fruit of it, I pardon you. But you keep the fruit of what you said. Pardon, no, it's not me. It's what you said. I'm praying that I will learn from this thing. Soon. They were snared by the words of their mouth. Proverbs 6, 2. You are snared with the words of your lips. You are caught by the speech of your mouth. Now, let's see a, a positive example of tongue, use of tongue by Paul. 
Acts chapter 27, verse 18. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. 20. The terrible storm raged for many days. Storms can rage in our lives for many days. Can rage for months. Perhaps they don't think he's surprised when these things happen. Raged for many days. Blotting out the sun and the stars until the last hope was gone. Think of it, people. Verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place. I'm not, I'm not um, left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. 22. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong and whom I serve. Do you know you belong to Jesus? I am glad I belong to you. We sing it now. He said, an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I have. And then Paul said to them, so take courage, for I believe God. In the midst of this raging storm, brethren, in the midst of this terrible storm, raged for many days, he said to them, take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as God said to me. Yeah. But you know, somebody said, oh, pastor, you know, Paul saw an angel. Between the word of an angel and the word of God of, of Almighty, which one is stronger? Which one is stronger? You don't have to see an angel. All you have to see is to, is to read the written word of God. You don't have to see an angel. Just to know what God said. What Jesus shorted for you. Guaranteed for you. The Bible says it's a word of oath and promise that God swore in his righteousness to assure you that this thing is for you. In Hebrew chapter 2, he said, therefore, we ought to give the more honesty to the things which we have had, lest at any time we should let them sleep. For if the words of spoken by angels were steadfast, every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that had them? How can we, comparing the words of an angel, and the one spoken by the Lord, the words of salvation, assuring you all your benefits in Christ. How can you? If, if Paul stood because of an angel in the raging storm and said, I believe, it shall be even as he said. Why can't I stand and say, I believe even as the Lord has said to me? Job 22, verse 28. Thou shalt also decree a thing, it shall be established unto thee. And, the, and thy light shall shine upon thy way. When men are cast down, thou shalt say, thou shalt lift it up. <laughs> you don't judge that. Say, ah, now wow, this economy is so bad. Though. Hey, now, we don't even know how to handle this one. After saying all of that, you go and be praying. Are you not like uh, Israelites? Thou shalt also decree a thing. 
Declare the word of God. And it shall be established unto thee. And thy light will shine upon thy way. Verse 29. When men are cast down and you show up, then you shall say, hey, men, there's a lifting up. And he shall save the humble person. Numbers 4.10.3 And wherefore had the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children shall be prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain, let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Joshua, which were of them that sat the land, rent their clothes, and they spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Let's say what God said. Verse 9. Only rebel not against the Lord. See, unbelief is rebellion. Saying, I don't agree with God. I don't agree with you, God. Only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred to us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. When the people say there's a casting down, you show up, you speak the word of God. And say, no, there's a lifting up. Fear them not. Fear them not. When you go into your prayer, you enter with praise. That's coming from a heart of faith. Not after you've spoken unbelief all over the place, you know, complain with all the, you know, your best friends are people who don't even read the Bible. Then you celebrate unbelief and so you, you talk their language to make them happy. A lot of you talk, 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 talk. How can, how can genuine praise really come from your heart? Hebrew 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, elders obtained a good report. We should be people that give good report. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, lovely, man, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, faith is of good report. If there be any virtue in it, if there be any praise in it, think on these things. Forget about these junk stories. Declare, make your boast in the Lord your God. Declare the word of God is true. From about lasting to everlasting, thou art God. Be proud of the word of God and Public. And when, when prayer of faith is impossible to pray, it's when you've been yapping all these negative things. You can't pray prayer of faith. You can't even exercise authority. Because out of the abundance of the heart, you've been speaking what you... You know, you know when we get emotionally charged, that's when we really say our mind. When we get angry, we say our mind. We say the things we, should, we wouldn't have said normally. It comes out. 
when we get fearful, when we come under this powerful emotional environment, what we shouldn't have said normally start coming out. Start coming out. But not the one we package, you know, we package it. No. Look at James 3, 9. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it causes. Those who have been made in the image of God, including himself, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth, murmuring, complaining, unbelief, doubt from the world, television, from internet, political, whatever. I don't know why people have time for things like that. Blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? How can you pray, How can you pray a prayer of faith? He said, can you bring out faith and doubt on your mouth? You say this, you say blessing, you say cause, you say blessing, you say unbelief. Say blessing, say this. That's why James said you're unstable in all your ways. Very unstable. You say this, you say this. You're neither here or there. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. When people hear you talk, they think that's what you believe. But when you are in your privacy with your friends, you don't declare the word of God. You are, you are unstable in all your ways. You can't receive anything. That's a heart that is in doubt and fitness. Verse 11, does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? Does a fig tree produce olives? Have you ever seen where a fig tree is producing olives or grapevine producing figs? No. You can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. You see, it's not possible. You see why our prayers don't work? We're not found the why God gave us mouth is to show for the praises of he that called us. His prayer shall continually be in my mouth. Let all things that have praise, may have breath, praise the Lord. And he said, let everything that's within me praise the Lord. In all things, give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. So let me end with James 1.26 where we started to remind us of that. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. But we can control our tongue when we begin to pray. These prayers that help us take control of our flesh. Because by the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to date all the works of the flesh. It involves prayer to generate this power. It involves studying the scripture to have revelation. So that we can now walk in the will of God. For by strength shall no man prevail. Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for reminding us the importance of living the life of Christ. And it's a life that we can live only through Christ. For we live in him, move in him, have our being in him, and it is through him that we live. You're reminding us that we need to be people who invest in prayer in this direction. Not just big asking for what, loading ourselves with the blessings, but no. But living the life of Christ. Quit now relieving positions of to even enjoy the blessings effortlessly. 
thank you, Lord God of mercy. This is awesome. We know that it will bear fruit in people. We know that it will produce. For you do not speak in vain. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.